Hello, welcome to the Lost Yard Podcast. I'm Paul and I am here with Gareth Cummins. That's that name. is me. That's me. Gareth Cummins. That's, That's me. Put your hand up. I went, I went to one shot. It's actually up. On shot. Grant. Today our podcast is entitled It's Hard to Work With. People that are hard to work with. We initially wanted to go with one called A Revolving Door and we figured that usually bands with revolving doors nine times out of ten it's because of an arsehole member or a band yeah. leader who's so we decided to kind of combine both of them together yes these are people who it's a little bit different to uh the insufferable fuckers mm. play when we did because they were like people a lot of them were just solo artists didn't have to deal with people like yeah. Bonner, and it, it seems and to be that like they're that. generally just mean uh, not to say that these yeah. people are mean they're just difficult they're just difficult yeah. people it's it could be just in a professional environment yeah. like that they are perfectionists to the point that they lose the fucking rag or whatever like that but yeah these are the ones that we picked that are um we're actually doing four each today because the two of us are yeah. dying we're in bits. Very, very very tired very tired but at the same time the last few podcasts we've done about like two hours so mm. you're still getting the you're still getting the juice the juice so yeah these yeah, are juice. these are a uh I would say single artists, but there is, in my case, there was one where there's like two or three people in the band yeah. that were hard to work with. One of mine so, as well. Yeah. So, um, look, we'll get straight into it. Who right, yeah. do you have forced as someone that is notoriously hard to work with? My first one is Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah. There's, lot, there's lots of stories there. There's millions of stories about how difficult she is. Uh, she's so incredibly difficult that nobody even knows what year she was born. <laughs> like she's given she's given the dates 1969 and 1970 depending on what suits her like I think for the last two or three years she's been perpetually 49 you know what so I mean it's oh, that's, so it's definitely 70 then uh, no sorry 68 more than likely you wouldn't you wouldn't lie about being older yeah exactly so like her, her date of birth always changed it's very hard to get to get um to get like a a, a pin stuck in what date yeah. what year she was actually born um actually i, I don't know about mariah carey i'm not gonna lie to you um i know that christmas song yeah uh, i know that she obviously is a phenomenal singer but uh i remember the first time i heard about her being a bit dodgy was around mtv interview yeah there's an so awful I'll let, lot of I'll that. Let you, I'll let you take yeah, over see, that story. She had, she had like, she's done so much stuff that like she kind of exploded out an hour. I think like her... Um, yeah, it's like a Whitney Houston and Celine Dion thing. They just they, they got they, found and went, right, let's put all of our money exactly, into this art. Exactly. Like, she's the first ever artist to have their first five singles hit number one in the charts. You know? Well, so uh, when you're plucked from relative obscurity on every single song, you dish out is a fucking banger, is a hit, is a number one. Yeah. What your head's going to blow it. Like, you're still learning how to be a person in your exactly. teens and 20s. So that is defining it. You exactly. You don't have a great chance to ever experience sort of humility. And like, well, she probably did for years, but I'm saying like once you, in your formative learning years, yeah, that's not a great combo. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, this song I picked is called Fantasy. And the reason I picked Fantasy, well, first of all, it's one of our big songs. But yeah. the reason I picked it is that when she was giving birth to her twins, um, she made sure that there was a speaker set up in the hospital room that this song Fantasy could be played on repeat as her children were born. Like, oh, so she's uh, a bit mad. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot. Like, yeah, the list goes on of things that are just 
strange. Again, she doesn't seem to be, she's not, she's definitely bitchy, but I don't think she's a she terrible is, she person. No, no, she's not. She's a just a, a archetypal diva. Yeah, exactly. And like, you need them in music, you know. To absolutely. Be, like she, she went diva, on, uh, she went on Carpool Karaoke, which I'm on James Corbin or whatever his name is, and just refused oh. to sing. Just refused to sing. Good. Like, Good they start, like, exactly. Tragedy. Shocking. But like James is like, it is James, isn't it? James Corbin, that's his name. He's like, right, we're gonna we're gonna sing this song. She's like, no, nah, we uh, I stayed up a little bit late last night, so I don't uh, I'm not gonna sing. I'll just you you sing and I'll sit here. Oh, and he's like, no, deadly. no, we have to, we have to sing. She goes, no, let's just let's just have a conversation instead. Let's let's just talk. And he's like, no, I love the, it. The like, show that, that's a shit move, but because I hate him and his yeah. garbage show, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Now th- that was taken as a sign that there'd been a lot of yap over the last kind of fuck like 10, 15 years that her voice was on the way out. Like yeah. from from album two onwards, people were like, that's not like because the first album she was doing a lot of the kind of mini Ripperton kind of whistle register stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, from the second album on, she wasn't really doing that. And by the third album, her voice had definitely changed. She had this kind of husky whispery type of thing going on. Right. And well, lot, I, thought, I just presumed that was because moving away to mid nineties going to for more R and B soul you kinda the music was, there was de- yeah there was definitely a move into that R and B uh, uh style but again a lot of people are saying that she moved into that music so she wouldn't have to do the crazy stuff because she wasn't able to do it anymore. Right. Now she spends an awful lot of time and effort trying to protect her voice in her bedroom. She has twenty humidifiers so she never dries out. 20 wow. humidifiers the walls in our bedroom have been specially designed to have a slope on them to let she's the a, condensation <laughs> run down <laughs> she's a damp little yoke she's a damp yoke yeah like the walls have to be sloped to let condensation run down into vents you know what i mean oh my god that's 20 cool. humidifiers Why not? Um, do it i've got one you've got one i've got one as well um i've got one i don't really need it the winter particularly in the summer you kind of want it those hot nights but yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's 20, 20 of them. But she has all these mad rules. Like, you're not allowed to speak to her the day before a performance. Like, you are absolutely not allowed even, like, look at her the day before a performance. The day of the performance, she she won't... She'll only communicate via, like, written notes and sign language. That's mad. Isn't it? Jeez. So, like, yeah... She, that's, she's so protective of her voice, like that. She's terrified of losing it. If she, you know what though, lost anymore. Dead right. You know what? If she was a footballer and they said, "Right, you're late for the, you're late for this meeting. Go run down that uh, those tiles in your football boots and get to that meeting." No, those are my legs. Absolutely exactly. Not. Yeah. No way. Like so, obviously, she, I understand being protective. Yeah. Like, I get it. You know. Um. What else she got here? There's a bunch of mad stuff. Jesus Christ, a bunch of absolute mad stuff. So like I said, had Fantasy played while she gave birth to her twins, which is batshit mad. Because apparently there's a bit in that song where there's like a crowd roaring and she wanted her children to be like born into applause for her mother. She could just play the applause. Pretty much, yeah. Um, at Obama's inauguration, she stormed out because she wasn't seated at the table with uh, with Obama and Michelle. Like, she's uh, in front the inauguration. Was she, was she supposed to? That, that's who no. it was. Probably world leaders. Yeah. Yeah, she when she got in and she sat down and she saw that she wasn't sitting at the president's table and she just turned around absolutely not, stormed <laughs> straight out. Uh, 2005, she refused to exit a helicopter on top of a hotel until they put down red carpet lined with white candles. 
Uh, that you see, that's uh, <laughs> that's weird. That's that's a mad <laughs> complex you have there. Then. Yeah, like if there's no one even around to really see it, you don't get much press up on the top of a helicopter. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah. weird. Uh, what else did she do? Oh, she was doing a record signing, like Virgin Megastar or something like that, in 2005 as well, and she made them redecorate the entire bathroom. Like like stripped out, stripped out the bathroom, <laughs> and had to be redone just in case she had to go to the bathroom. That's like when Prince was playing in London, and he got an apartment built for him to his specifications in Jesus London Christ. for that for that tour of for those dates in London. Yeah, it's insanity, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, do you know what though? Like, if the way I look at it is right, if people are paying for that kind of stuff, and it's not coming out of anyone, you know any decent person's pocket. Like, yeah. I don't know, the promoters or something, if I was, I don't know, if my life was different than I was going with MC, I'd be milking them cuz for stupid stuff. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. there's, there's, when you're, when you're someone like her and you have a particular, uh, you kind of, your character is that, like I said, diva. Um, that, what's the point in showing up and just being sound? You have to show up and be crazy so people talk about you. Because like, exactly. Yeah, keep your, keep your, yeah, yeah, if you're too sound, people go, ah, they're down to earth. Exactly. That's a, that's a great little story at a party, but it's not as great as <laughs> like if it doesn't make it to the newspapers. Exactly. It's not like Iggy Pop's Riders or something like that, you know, <laughs> like that type of fucking match. So the last yeah, one I have a, there, the last yeah. one I have is that in 2014, she hired an entire lighting crew to go into a radio station for a radio interview so she could be lit correctly, even though there wasn't going to be any cameras written like that. Amazing. Yeah, she doesn't wear flat shoes or anything like that. She refuses to wear flat shoes. She said she never wore flat shoes in her entire life. And um, she's done that a couple of times where she sends lighting crews into places, like even shops and stuff like that, because she has to be lit in a particular way, apparently. Fucking hell. So, yeah, I'd say realistically... It's the ultra protection of the image. Yeah, exactly. At all costs. She doesn't want to see one bad photo come out before. Exactly, but that's the big thing. Every photo has to be to spec. Like, if you remember that uh, MTV Cribs, she's, like, walking around in like fucking swimwear and like fours. And then she like gets into the bath wearing fucking robes. And she, like, it's absolutely just candles lit everywhere. And, you know, I remember, uh, I remember she released her number one's album and, uh, there was kind of controversy over the fact that it was one of the first big high profile Photoshop jobs mm. because they'd made her, uh, thighs thinner All right. on Photoshop. And that was the kind of first time I'd got her going, all right, so she, Maybe it's not horror. Maybe it's the record label, but she's yeah. clearly keeping this image going, Grant. And then the MTV uh, interview mm. where she arrived at MTV and she, and she it's one of those just real subtle kind of, not subtle, but the, the interview was very like downplay. I think there's candlelights and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And she has these two dogs that she's rubbing. That, that she right, actually yeah. asked them to get for the thing. But the weird thing was when she arrived, she was outraged that there was no fanfare at the thing mm. and she says I'm not walking out there without an applause and they went oh. there's no audience it's in the interview and she goes well who, who are all these people they're the lighting people the sound, sound yeah. uh, guys get them to clap them. oh my god oh get them to clap oh. and they had to stand in a line and clap her coming out for the no interview. Absolutely not. Uh, fuck. Anyway, listen, that's Mariah Carey. Um, yeah. One of the proper classic, um, hard to work with people, <laughs> realistically. Um, whether she's, we were going to, we were going to talk about whether it's worthwhile, but you know, it's not up to us whether it's worthwhile. Like, are they worth their grief? 
Uh, it's not for us to say, well, really. Is she's it? one of the top ten female artists of all time, surely. Yeah. So, like, and it's no skin off my nose. The other people she fucks with, I, I've never had to work with her. I never had to uh, go get her coffee. I've never had to. Uh, yeah. Join her in at a desk at a hotel. I don't know. So I, I've never had an experience with it. I do think the stories are funny. I do feel bad yeah. if anyone feels hard done by. But like, Jesus, I don't know, man. Like the the thing is, right? She gives art out, and it is art, whatever way you look at it. Yeah. So. You have to get mentalers to do that. Like, Pretty that, much, yeah. I know there was a lot, of, a lot of rails over like songwriting and stuff like that. She kept sacking songwriters, and she wanted oh, to keep yeah. her keep her own toes, you know, in in, in there. Hero and, is uh, a is a banger though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, I don't know much about her. I know a handful of songs, the big giant songs, and uh, like I said, a pick fantasy. It's one of our big songs, but it's also the one that you get birth to our twins for. Which toys back at the story? <laughs> so uh, that was a Mariah Carey. Who is your fourth one? My fourth one is the Clash, and mm. it's uh, not one particular member, but maybe two, possibly three, mm. of the overall uh, band and or management. So not only did Mick Jones and Joe Strummer find it hard to work with each other a lot, that's notorious. They were to, to, if you ask about band fights, mm. you get your Fleetwood Mac, you get Oasis, and you also get the Clash as well. Mm. So. Mick Jones and Strummer found it very, very hard to work together. In 1983, Joe Strummer and the bassist Paul Simon sacked Mick Jones and the drummer mm. Topper Hedden, and that was the breakup of the like the main clash, the yeah, famous yeah. clash. You know what I mean? That's half of the band gone. They brought in three new members and released what is considered to be one of the worst albums for for a big band to ever released, which mm. is cut cut the crap. Yeah, um, and after. Two years of being absolute cunts to the new lads. They released this album, and we'll get into that in a minute. What what happened with that actual album itself? Mm. But so Terry Chimes joined up for the Combat Rock tour. I think yeah. that was enough for him to go just doing the tour. Absolutely not going into rehearsal rooms with any of you cunts or anything yeah. like that. I met absolutely Terry Chimes before, and he was all right. Did you? Yeah, yeah. He played. He actually played at TH. Right. With, with another band and he was he, he was an R.A. fella actually it was like a super group everybody in the band bar the singer the singer was from some like Scandinavian yeah fucking garbage rock band and he was a prick <laughs> was um, he? oh he was up his own hall like, like all these lads like Terry Twins played for Black Sabbath and everything you know like everybody mm. that's in the band was famous in like yeah. you know punk or rock or metal circles and the singer was an awful bollocks and the rest of them are sound 100% yeah. sound Oh. Most drummers are sound, to be honest. Yep. Like, to be honest. Terry Jones was a decent drummer as well. There was, uh, there was some people... I don't know who Terry Jones played with before. Well, presumably it would have been possibly Black Sabbath before this. So he was he was drafted in force. He just... I don't know whether... I think he said at the start, I'm only doing the tour, not doing yeah. anything after that. So obviously when that was over, they hired 23-year-old drumming prodigy P. Howard yeah. and 24-year-old uh, super talented guitarist Nick Shepard. Um. He was, it's, you know, like bands that get cunty like this always go for young people who have no, like, voice, their own, of their own voice yet, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they're also a, people a, a who grew up, listen to them, you know, exactly. have a bit of hero so, worship going on. That's it, you get the hero worship. It's a bit like why Captain Beef, happened with Captain Beefheart as well, for this whole band, got back together with a lot of new kids. The kids can play possibly even better. Yeah. Just get savants, just get fucking exactly. prodigies. Yeah. And they shut up and they're happy to, to go around the country, <laughs> happy to end up in Japan. Mm. 
having people screaming while they play, and that's an absolute alluring thing for them. Yeah. Um, this is when Gregory Vincent White was brought in because the music was getting a bit more complex because yeah. you know Joe Strum had notions about doing like a punk version of Peter Gabriel's fucking world music or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Like he has all the different styles and all that. That's that's no use to me. That kind of clash music, to be honest. Yeah, not really. Not really. So he was brought in because they needed a third guitarist for, for that kind of stuff. Because yeah. um, I think it was Nick Shepard was like, I don't really. Uh, I don't really do all this. I do punk. That's what I thought this exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. So the problem with Gregory White was his name was Gregory White. And the manager, Bernie Rhodes and Joe Strum were like, you can't be called that. Yeah. It's too middle class. And he was middle class. Yeah. He was middle class. So they called him Vince. And that's why he is now Vince White and still yeah. goes by Vince White. Yeah. Um, after two years of, like I said, absolutely intense rehearsals where the lads were treated like shy by Strummer himself, but not yeah. as bad, not too bad. I don't, I couldn't find much about Paul Simon on being mean to the Renton. He mm. seems just like Scholar, I think. Yeah. yeah. But the manager, like, Strummer is obviously an alcoholic and, and could have bouts of absolute. Like he apparently he used to just go on these big sermons about what the clash was and what it meant. Yeah, to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like, you don't, we don't have to know that. Just, yeah. just give us the songs and we'll play them. Can we um, play the songs? Yeah, exactly. The uh, manager was a dickhead by all accounts. To, like he he was hmm. constantly fighting with Joe Strummer about how the songs should sound. And I don't know about you, but if I had a manager that was telling me how to write the songs, yeah, like, yeah, they won't you go make, over there, they won't. bit further, bit further, yeah, bit further again, yeah, over exactly. again, out Keep that going. door, yeah, yeah, see you there. Um, but he used to pick on uh, Greg, Greg Vince White mm. for being middle class and constantly give him shit. And I remember reading about one time where um, Joe Strummer's dad had died, which made him spoil into mm. being an absolute wreck to be honest with you and um, they were doing a gig and I can't remember where it was I think it might have been in America and Vince White was like yeah, can I get my, my amp up it's really low and the, the, the manager just lost that and goes he lost his dad and you can't hear yourself big fucking get oh. over yourself just absolutely went on a toy raid and that's when I was like right it was my dream to join this but all the three lads said it it was a yeah. dream to join the clash at the height of their fame and it was a nightmare like yeah. hell Oh. Dealing with these people, there was just absolutely hell. It was constant fights between Strummer and Rhodes. Uh, they, they actually not, never really said much about Paulson. I couldn't find much about that. I was yeah. like, great, bit of juice if he was a dickhead as well. But yeah, yeah. He didn't seem to be. Um, when the this is the thing about the, the cut the crap album, right? They mostly, uh, but by the time that was recorded, all the three new lads had had contributed parts to it. Yeah, that were all wiped pretty much, or you couldn't hear them. A kind of injustice for all job. On yeah, them. but what was even worse is that lad P. Howard is a savage fucking drummer. He's with Queen Adrena now, I think, as well. Like, mm. Um, but they they took his parts out and put a drum machine in. Grim, and uh, apparently he was like, yeah, literally at this stage, I don't give a shit. Yeah, just don't care. Whatever. This is this is not what I not what I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, before like it was acknowledged by Joe Strummer how badly they were treated during yeah, that, that period. Yeah. He says, he apologized, he, he talked to uh, Shepard, Nick Shepard, and he actually apologized to him. He said, you know, and Nick Shepard said, look, I don't regret joining the Clash because now I am doing all this cool stuff. Exactly. Afterwards, I've moved on and I've played great gigs. Um, he, Joe Strummer said himself in an interview just before he died, he said, I feel really, really bad for the three young lads because they came in 
and there was no chance of them succeeding in a in a way that would make them happy. Like a chemistry, yeah. the chemistry was toxic. Yeah, and they came into that. So I would consider that to be quite difficult to work yeah. with. If you certainly, it's kind of like the Captain B. For, if you ever want, if people are know about Captain B. For it, they might know that that's it's pretty much the same story. They got young lads in, and they were not treated. Well, actually, they weren't treated as bad as the original band members. It's yeah. just some people. Like Joe Strummer is a great songwriter. It was a great songwriter, should yeah. I say. But because uh, apparently by the end he was talking to Mick Jones about doing a proper um, about reforming. Yeah, and uh, like that within, like I think maybe two three months before he died, they were talking about doing a big tour or something. You know, getting yeah. like a proper original, getting top, like getting as many members um, of the original crew together to do a big world tour, and uh, obviously working. It never came about, like you know, because that would yeah. have been one of the, one of the the great kind of reforms. Reunions, yeah, yeah exactly, absolutely. Like, would been, people would have gone mad for that because yeah. <laughs> Strummer got to do yeah, his it's... his mescalero stuff after, and some of that was really good. Yeah, that got really, really high. Like people, yeah. it was it was highly rated. People were were kind of going mad over that. Like, really I think mad. I'm wearing right now. I am wearing. I am. I'm wearing a Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros T-shirt right now. Actually, yeah, um, bingo, bingo, yeah. Um, yeah, there's an awful, an awful lot of stuff because he got to experiment with his kind of world music. Um, that because the Clash Royale was considered uh, some of it is great, yeah, maybe. Oh, hang on, the no. Australian Mescaleros, yeah, did it, that, yeah, that sort of worked because he didn't have to aim it at the Clash people, the people exactly. in the band weren't going, and we're not playing Clash anymore, so that was a better option to, to That's do that. That's what he should have done from the start. Yeah. Once the, yes. the kind of like, I want to yeah. do this, that, you know, I want to do like, I want to mix reggae with fucking African music or whatever, you know, that's not for the Clash. You know the clash. Yes, the clash is three card trick fucking anthems, and it should be kept along those lines. You know, not uh, that like you can't experiment, but it did, yeah. I don't think it worked really. Uh, there's loads of clash that I we talked about clash before. There's loads of clash that I love. I think they're maybe a bit overrated because they were kind of historically uh, lauded, but there's loads of clash stuff that's garbage. Loads of it, you know. Um, it's probably fifty. Yeah, like, 50. I, I wouldn't say all of it. Like there's when he brought funk in, that was great. Yeah, like I was mad, mad into that. Like mm. the Magnificent Seven and stuff like that. Yeah, Rock exactly. Yeah. So I did like that. Yeah, but that doesn't even but sound like Clash. Like it's, it's but, just yeah. But I, I wasn't mad about a lot of kind of like reggae stuff. No. Well, then again, no. I don't really like reggae. So exactly, they were obsessed Look, that, with it. Yeah. That's the Clash, and it's a few few culprits there. Yeah, specifically. You know, hard to work with. Mick Jones probably would have been hard to work with at yeah. some stage. Joe Strummer and especially uh, Bernie Rhodes. So who's yeah. your next hard to work with? My next one is Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, stories. exactly. Yeah, there's plenty of stories. I, I, this is an unusual one. I love Megadeth. Um, I love them. Absolutely love Megadeth. Yeah, I love, like, in particular, I love the first kind of three or four records, but... Um, there's definitely stuff after that that's good, but uh, he's such a strange character, like strange character. So for people that don't know, Dave Mustaine was originally in Meg- in Metallica, and um, he was uh, he was kicked out of Metallica before they could even record Kill 'Em All. So he actually travelled yeah. with the band all the way from Los Angeles to New York to record Kill 'Em All. And like the day before they were due to start recording, the lads had a little sub meet and they were like, fuck this dude. And they like, they just put him on a bus. It's like, there's your gear. Here's a great, oh. here's a ticket for a Greyhound bus. After getting out of the car, essentially from driving all the way from LA to New York, they're like, we can't do this anymore. Because 
the lads were big gargoyles and like drugs and all this kind of shit. But Dave really liked gargle and drugs. Like, um, yeah, he was it, a bigger fan of it. Yeah, he was. <laughs> there was, I think, there was there was one thing that started apparently the the, the, the souring of the relationship, in particular between James Heffield and, and and Dave Mustaine, was that they were at rehearsals in LA one day, and Dave Mustaine brought along his dog to rehearsals. Yeah. And um, the dog jumped up on someone's car. He was saying loud, everybody jumped up on someone's car or something like that. And Dave Mustaine started shouting at the dog that he was going to scratch the paintwork and went over and kick the dog. Yeah. So Dave the... Mustaine knocked the so... bollocks out of James Heffield for kicking his dog. Oh, James Heffield kicked the dog. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, Heffield kicked uh, Mustaine's dog. So Mustaine yeah. went fucking mad and knocked the bollocks out of Heffield. Yeah. Because like, well, for some reason, when you think of James Heffield, kind of now you think of this big... He's a big lump of a cunt, like you know. But when you yeah. go back and look at the early days, it's a little oh needy, yeah, little it fucking, was yeah, little string fucker, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was apparently that was one of the things that started that relationship being a bit ropey, and the fact that like he was mad at the gargle, he was always drunk, but he could play his whole off, and the lads were reliant upon him for loads of riffs, and uh, the fact that like he could he play playing live, he was great, all this kind of shit, but. They were like, the boys were, you know, we like a few points and all this kind of stuff, but like this fella. Well, you drink the same amount as us combined. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was kind of the problem. <laughs> um, so he co-wrote four of the songs from Kill Em All. he done two songs for Ride the Lightning. And he said, um, he's also alleged. Oh, I didn't that, know that. I didn't know he did two songs for Ride the Lightning. Two songs from Ride the Lightning, yeah. And uh, he's alleged that he wrote Leper Messiah off Master of Puppets as well. Um, mm-hmm. He said that, that that was one of his one of his tracks. Um, I don't see him lying about that. Either the way, I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a lawyer. I, think I don't he, think he's a lawyer at all. Yeah, I think he might just f- have forgotten loads of stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so yeah, he said he wrote he wrote that off off Master of Puppets. But like drug and alcohol problems, like for a long, long, long time, he showed the video shoots, like goofing off on heroin and stuff like that, and ruined the entire video shoot. And there was, was he the only one that, that did heroin in that band? Possibly, I don't. I never heard of the rest of the lads doing it. And I, I doubt yeah. Lars Ulrich even ever had a beer. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> had a hot, has a hot tea, you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, like I said, when he gets kicked out, um, he gets kicked out. He decides he's going to start uh, a new band. So, he, I here's something I didn't know either. The original incarnation of Megadeth before it was even called Megadeth, because uh, apparently it was a song he had written was called Megadeth. And uh, whatever he was going to call the band, um, the first person that joined the band with him was Kerry King. Roy, I, so, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah. Kerry King like, played a couple of live gigs um, at the very, very start before they even recorded it. Um, I don't even know if Kerry King is a great guitarist. I know no. that he's very technically proficient. But anytime he plays, I'm like... That's just a, a hmm. jumble of fucking notes. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah, I don't. Not for me. Um, so uh, in the early 2000s, Dave Mustaine goes up and becomes a Christian. And uh, yeah, he goes up and becomes a Christian. Now, he had also given interviews in like the late 80s and 90s that were mm, bit ropey. Really? Bit, yeah, bit ropey. What was, um, he on? what was he saying? He was, he was saying like they need to... He's talking about shit that's kind of still... People are still talking about now, like um, nineteen. She said, "What was it? Nineteen eighty-eight. He said that he wanted to get involved with building a wall along the Mexican border. Oh no! Um, to stop stop immigrants coming in. Um, doesn't support gay marriage. 
um, gives out about Judas Priest for like overtly homosexual images. Uh, he got in trouble. That's a the only of good thing about Judas Priest. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's given quotes outside of the Bible. This is even before he went full Christian. He was like the boy. The Bible doesn't agree with uh with, with homosexuality. So I th- I'm just going to avoid it and uh, dissuade anybody from yeah. From the Bible's that. the Bible's stupid though. Yeah, exactly. Sat says you can't touch a goat on the tours there or something. Like just relax. You can't be picking and choosing. <laughs> you can't be picking and choosing stuff from the Bible. You just can't. Because if you were to live by it, I don't even know if you'd be allowed breed. You know, like there's no breeding on yeah. Saturdays. Like it's nonsense. It's nonsense. <laughs> you know, every time you pick up a leaf, you have to spin around three times and do a hop. Like, or, you, or the devil is in your penis. Yeah, exactly. Fucking some make you up be saint will fucking come and get you. Saint fucking quink monk will fucking pop out of a tree <laughs> and cash into the hellfires for eternity. But it's nonsense. <clears throat> um, he refused to play with Rotten Christ and dissection. Um, Rotten Christ that. are fucking deadly. Uh, I had a big fight with Rotten. the singer from Rotten Christ that gig years Did ago. Did you? Yeah, he was rodian for Napalm Death, and we were playing with Napalm Death, and he was running their merch stall right. and uh, helping run the tour. And we asked where we could set up our meager selection of t-shirts and CDs, and I was going to show you. And he was yeah. he just asked for him, and he was like, "Well, you can't set it up anywhere, anywhere up here." And I was like, "Mate, like literally, we have." You need a table, a tiny table to put our two different t-shirt designs on, and we're going to sell two of them tonight, like for real. We're not going to play it paid for playing the gig or anything. Let us see if we can move a t-shirt or two. That's and, the uh, that's the best. That's the only reason you're probably doing it. Exactly, it's the, the hope for the best that people come again, and you might sell a t-shirt and a CD, you know. And um, he that's just wouldn't let us. He wouldn't let us. We had to set a table up. I think I think we sat at the bar. I think maybe and, and put t-shirts up on the bar. Oh, that's shocking, man! He was screaming and shouting, calling us cunts to house bank. So I couldn't even tell you what Rotten Cry sound like because uh, oh, once I found out that was him. I've, I've got their merch from when they played <laughs> with yeah. uh, Inquisition. Uh, actually, no, I saw them on their own before that, but uh, I saw them in the video probably twice now. I yeah. do like Rotten Cry. I have to say, they're. Uh, I Greek, couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you Greek what they even metal. sound like just because. Uh, because your mum's such a fucking arsehole. Like, I just wasn't. Well, fuck him then. He's not my friend. He <laughs> said a bad thing. Anymore. He said a bad thing about my friend. I love you, Gary. I love, I love big you. Love. Big love, man. Big, big love. love. <laughs> big love. Um, Mustaine said he won't play the song of The Conjuring anymore because uh, this, the lyrics are about spells and hexes and that's oh. unchristian. But then he the same kind would go, it's not real when he was singing it a few years ago. It's only a fucking, it's, it's yeah. fantasy, it's make-believe. Just fucking... Bullshit! When I hate when people do that. And I also found out <laughs> Blackie Lawless did the same thing yeah, like that. That's right. Yeah, I found out that the album, the Megadeth album, Endgame, is uh, dedicated and about Alex Jones. Oh my God! A documentary that Alex Jones made called "End." This is the Endgame or something like that. He loves I Alex Jones. I think you were going to be able to ruin Rotten Christ and Megadeth for me in one yeah. segment, but here we are. Yeah, he also caused a riot um, in 1988 in Belfast. When you get up on the stage, <laughs> you get up on the stage. I don't start, mind this story so much. Start, start praising the IRA and backing the cause. <laughs> and uh, the full crowd lost their bleeding mind. Lost this is Holy mind. Wars. You know what Holy Wars is about? No, Dave, don't do don't it. Don't do it. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> like, well, we're glad to be here in London, Derry. Shut up, Dave. Um, so yeah apparently but apparently he has a black belt in taekwondo and karate as well so he's double hard uh but the 
where where he gets de- uh, where he gets even more difficult to work with is within his role as a musician and band leader within Megadeth. Like I always knew there was a good bit of lineup change stuff happening in Megadeth, but I didn't know it was it was this level. This is outrageous. Like all constantly sacked and coming back, you know, sacked coming back, sacked coming back constantly. So yeah, I figured this out. Excluding Dave Mustaine, Megadeth has had twenty one members. Jesus. Right, 21 members. They've also had 37 session musicians that only play it on albums. Yeah. And they've had three optional live members yeah. as well. Right, fuck that. So lot. what you're looking at, you're going to have 56, well, 61 or 62 people that have been in the Megadeth family since its incarnation. Yeah, like that doesn't happen unless it's a bit hard to be there. Yep. You know what I mean? That's not a happy family band. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty much Dave Mustaine's show. And now that he's a Catholic or a Borgang Christian or wherever he is, um, as I said the other day, I don't really, I still don't really understand the difference between Catholicism and Christianity. But, um, well, Christianity is uh, our Catholicism and, uh, I was about to say, pyrotechnics and Protestantism are under the umbrella of uh, Christianity. There's yeah. just a few differences between the both. One yeah. with Mary being a slut and one being a virgin who had a baby. Yeah, one was invented by the king, one was invented by someone before. Anybody, yeah, so the both, the, basically, Christianity is, is just about them together, yeah. Um, so whenever he became an, uh, a born again, even though he was always a bit like that, he was always a bit kind of Christian or whatever, when he became a born again in the early 2000s, it essentially ruined the entire because he he broke that band up when he he got um, uh, I think called Saturday Night Palsy that fucked with him for like a year, which is when uh, if you fall asleep with like your arm or something like that, hanging over the back of a chair, you do yeah. damage to the nerve. It's like you give yourself cerebral palsy, but it's kind of temporary. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So he, I, I, he know, got, I don't know. I've, I've fell asleep with the arm over, like drifting over. The yeah. Side of the you bed. can do mad damage to yourself. Oh God. Yeah. Like for about a week you're in agony. Like. Yeah. So he, he got like the big one, which is, they call it Saturday night palsy, which is like, you get so drunk on a Saturday night, you fall asleep on a chair where you sit and it does yeah. damage the nerves of whatever you've left kind of leaning on or dangling on. So he got yeah. that and he was basically left without the use of, I think it was his left arm. I'm not sure that he was left without the use of his arms. So he just broke up the band. He was like, fuck this, I'm done. And uh, a lot of the guys like uh, Ellison and all the kind of famous that uh, when I think of Megadeth, I think of, um, I think of that kind of countdown to extinction area. That's yeah. for me, that's my Megadeth. That's, that's what I think of. So um, a, a lot of those guys, just fucked off and started doing their own malarkey and then he got pissed off when he saw them it's doing a, his own thing it's a good thing to have on your CV isn't it Megadeth <clears throat> uh, pretty much I mean it would have been years ago I don't know what it would be like now but well, I think well, when he but... saw them doing their own thing he was like well, I'm getting the bomb back together again but new people fucked them and yeah. uh, that added to the thing to, to the to, the mythos of Megadeth is again I love the first three or four Megadeth albums um, they're a lot of fun and I think that he's trying to be real serious, but I don't take him that way. You know, like it's songs about Hangar 18 and shit like that. Give me that shit. Do you know what I think artists, if they don't want to sing one or two songs about like fantasy devil, don't sing any of them. Fuck off out of business. Cause this is the business that you made your money in. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you're playing to the fans. Don't heavy decide. metal. Like, it has to be about songs. the devil and spells. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. Like, it has come to be. On. So you can't just cancel that part. Yeah. Like, because now you you know as well as me, like every album then is going to be like veiled references to fucking God and Christianity. It's I, not gonna, I, can't, I can't deal with that. No. I can't deal with that. If you're going I to can't. do that, just come out and be a Christian metal band. Just change the whole band to that. Call yourself fucking Mega Love, 
big debt. Big you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come up with something and fucking do that. But don't guise your fucking your bullshit into your songs, you know? But anyway, listen, that, that's Dave Mustaine. Who's your next one? My next one is Andrew Eldridge of Sisters of Mercy, who is, by all accounts, a fucking prick. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the view he wants of himself, so I'm mm. not... Uh, I'm not under I'm not or overselling them here as, as a prick. Uh, they are another revolving door band. He fell out with another member that people would know is Wayne Hussey after the first Sisters of Mercy album. Now Wayne Hussey is great and all, right? But the mission are only okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Sisters of Mercy have bangers. Mm. Like they have more. They've, they've over 20 bangers. Yeah, like if you put it down to it, like for me, it's way over twenty. But I can yeah. justify and defend twenty solidly to anyone. Mm. But mission, the mission, like three bangers, maybe yeah, three or four, uh, and no great albums to be perfectly honest with you, like that. So I'm not here to talk about like the, the differences between Wayne Hussey and Thing. They didn't get on creatively, uh, but they should have stayed together because Andrew Eldridge needs other members, and that is why. They have had, I'm glad you took a tally of the last one because I've got a tally here for you yeah. as well. Uh, 19 other members. Uh, he's the only long-standing member, obviously. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a, he's a melt. I met one of them. Yeah. I met one of the Sisters of Mercy, the guitarist, the new guitarist guy. Uh, I met Did him. He's done, done an interview when they were playing Dublin Hot Press. Got them together, brought me into the pub to interview him. I thought it was going to be the whole band, so I made sure I was there. I had records yeah. and all with me. And... Uh, this bloke shows up I'm like, hey, who the fuck is this bloke? Was some he a young lad? lad? Yeah. Do you know what other band he's in? He's in some hardcore band. He was telling me. I don't... A metal band and a hardcore band. He, he was reeling no. off stuff. He's in Ghost. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I had a point with him and I talked to him for about an hour. He was a nice fella. It's after ben, done I think Ben, yeah, he seems like just such a lovely dude in mm. any interview you ever see with him. Mm. Uh, I saw Sister Mercy live and he was there. He's a great guitarist. I thought they were garbage live because they didn't have uh, any female mm. backing vocals and didn't have any saxophone. Yeah. And that's bullshit for a start. They covered the stage and smoke for the whole thing to the point where you couldn't I see anything to smoke. I remember that. So it was it, just, like, like you kind of you can't really get into a gig if all you can see is like so much smoke like cover the stage and smoke. And like, when you say cover it, so you can just see like three silhouettes. Yeah. No, I want to just see just grey. It's just grey. The way the fact you know? we wouldn't yeah. pay for the rest of the members of the band to come along. And you could barely hear key the keyboards on the back and mm. uh, on the back and tracks because they weren't being played live. I yeah, don't yeah. think anyway because he's a scabby bastard. Like to be honest with you, yeah. I do have a lot of time for him and I do have a lot of time for Sister Mercy and the work he put in. But he needs other people. Mm. So in the first album, you had Wayne Hussey obviously co-writing it with him. In yeah. the second album, you had Jim Steinman of yeah. Meatloaf songs fame helping him out with it. He's never on his own. He need he does need people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think. One of the things that annoyed me is the whole Patricia Morrison thing. She is the iconic, yeah, other side, the uh, visual side that that people know of of um, Sisters of Mercy, yes, especially Floodlands. It's just him and her on the front exactly. of it, and she is incredible. Like she's super iconic. She's up there with like Susie Sue, Marticia Adams, and like yeah. <laughs> Elvira as the Goth Mothers. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like Goth Mothers. You you love that word. <laughs> That's another word for witches and stuff. That you, uh, that you my favourite. Um, so yeah, and uh, it's it's not really known her, how much of a contribution she made hmm. to the stuff. I don't think she even ended up as the bassist on the songs on Floodlands. Really? Um, or how much, if not, 
or what what if the singing you'll never really know. Yeah, really yeah. Prepare for you know, like that. But the thing that annoys me is he probably didn't uh, apparently didn't pair properly, and that kind of shit annoys me. Yeah. Whatever about being a miserable bastard, don't be a, be a toy m- miserable bastard with yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's he picked her up when he was angry about like other band members leaving. Goes, mm. you you you're in. Come on, you're in. And she's like there, and then it's like no, you're out now. I'm not playing you. Yeah, awful, isn't it? Every interview I see with him is sort of this facade that he's putting on. Like he hates goths, hates goth music, doesn't like the idea of being a goth band. He's, he's into the cult and the Cure, or not the Cure, uh, uh, fucking Rolling Stones and Bowie and stuff like that. That's yeah. the obvious ones like that. You would think someone of his age, grown up in England, would be into. But mm. um, yeah, he has the whole torture genius thing going on. A lot, um, lot for a band like, it's 19 members for a band with three albums yeah and he hasn't made an album in what 40 years or something like that yeah no, he's not he? 30 years he hasn't yeah. an album in 30 years Vision Thing was the last one Vision Thing Vision Thing only has a few it's it's decent I actually like it mm. but uh, Death, Detonation Boulevard is on it and that's a shite song and I, I don't care I, I'll tell I'm a Sister Mercy fan yeah and I'll tell people I fucking hate that song it's a stupid song <laughs> yeah there you go Miserable Prick Andrew Eldridge, hard to work with because of uh, 19 members and, again, another person who hires young people at a discounted yeah, price for um, naivety. Who's yeah. your next one? My next one is a fellow we talk about an awful lot and it's Kanye, Kanye West. He apparently is very difficult to yeah. just even be around. Yeah, apparently just, if you're not like within his kind of current inner circle, he just, he won't even, won't even look at you. Um, so Kanye starts off as a, as a beat maker for Rockefeller. So essentially, <coughs> the, the, oh, this is a complicated kind of route to fame for Kanye, which I believe might be the the basis of his his a lot of his troubles. Is that right. he's brought into Rockefeller because he was doing a lot of kind of mixtape stuff, and he he was known for a particular sound. Um, used to do what they call the chipmunk music, which would be the uh, take a sample and speed it up. To, to get that kind of kind of effect for choruses and stuff like that and that yeah. was real hot for a while so he gets brought into Rockefeller and he starts working with like Jay-Z and a lot of other artists and he ends up producing loads of like these big songs for Jay-Z like there's there's a good argument, argument to be made that Jay-Z would never have been as big if it wasn't for Kanye but it's hard to know yeah because he had the rap skills obviously oh, he's yeah, a great he's... rapper I don't particularly like Jay-Z but he, yeah. I can tell you know one of these rappers where you go whoa he's amazing but yeah, he's not my thing talent no. is undeniable like it's yeah. but like, it might not be for everybody but yeah. Kanye apparently from the get-go was like listen I want to put out my own record like I can rap as well and everyone's like shut up but let's get back in there and make more <laughs> chipmunk songs yeah exactly so he's at them he's at them he's at them he's at Rockefeller all the time like please let me do like an album and he keeps like he's recording stuff himself and giving it to them they're not even listening to it like they, they're just like just go back into the fucking dungeon and keep pumping out these bangers like we've no interest in you as an artist like you're a producer for Rockefeller for, for Jay-Z in particular like this is what you do yeah. so eventually he, he manages to kind of work his way into he angles his, his way into releasing his album he does college dropout for, for uh, Def Jam and that's it bang, Kanye has arrived then. Every starts paying attention. Um, eventually he goes back and he does the album that we always talk about, Watch the Throne with, with Jay-Z. Um, that was kind of Jay-Z's way of making up to him for ignoring him for so long. Yeah, so, like, he, tried, he tried to keep him just as a producer. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to be uh, 
have to be like fighting with him on the marketplace. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's footage like because like Rockefeller were, were were known for always having cameras and stuff like that around. They wanted to record everything. So it's like you can go and find footage on even YouTube of like them in the studio and Kanye is sitting at the desk or whatever or sitting in front of a laptop making beats and he turns around and he goes, oh, I mean, I'm my joints out next year and the rest of the lads are looking at each other like, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, God bless it, you. Exactly, you know. So like he does eventually do it and Jesus Christ does he do it. Like, um, But he, he spent a long time trying to get his own stuff off the ground. Um, he denies that he's bipolar, uh, but insists, well, he said he was. Yeah, he brought an album, said he was, but he denies that he's bipolar. Um, uh, he said he's being, uh, said that they're basically just, because he's kind of hyperactive and he, he goes a mile a minute, he, uh, they, they kind of, they they gave him drugs to kind of calm him down. and But that made his kind of creative process slow down and he doesn't like that. But he insists that he's Moses reborn as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's like I swear to God, man, he's the uh, Sinead O'Connor of rap. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I listened to that interview we done with Rogan just to see if he could even have a conversation with another human. You know, I couldn't do it. Uh, he, the, what I found out was he can't really. Like he, he doesn't have it in him to just have a conversation. He goes a he thousand well, miles an he? hour. He starts he's, off normal. Yeah, the first hour or so of it, he's like, you can see him restraining himself. Yeah, where, it's the same with the Letterman interview, but then yeah. the fucking madness takes over. Yeah, it just, the, he ends go, up just going off. Like, big ceremony has to give them. Yeah, and and he does it, he's doing his best to not, like, everything, because his new obsession's God, he, everything gets brought back to God, but then he realizes that he's being too goddy and he might lose people over it so he starts kind of pulling back from that so he's smart enough to know that when he's kind of talking over oh, yeah. himself he doesn't he does know what so his bread is buttered on oh yeah yeah 100 he lost me with the god's shit i can't yeah i listen to it and it's good but it's not what i want so yeah i i listened to it maybe twice and i went okay this is decent but it's uh, whatever um he has he has this has this mad thing where he has a crew of assistants that he makes them make collages for him Right, <laughs> this is weird, right? So <clears throat> he doesn't apparently he's not mad into writing things down. So what he does is he makes people make like picture boards and collages for him. And like if, if the muse strikes him at like two o'clock in the morning, he'll just ring one of his assistants, get them out of bed. So like, get the fuck over here now. Buy buy every magazine you can find, and we're gonna make um, a collage. And they'll make a collage, like stick it to a wall. And they'll work on it for hours until it's perfect and nobody knows what's going on with it. But then, like, can you just take a picture of it and put it on Twitter? You know what I mean? Right. So he's waking people up at fucking all, like, 20, 24 hours a day, three, four o'clock in the morning. Get in here now. We have to do a collage for Twitter. And people are like, <laughs> what? what's going on, Kanye? Um, he won't let any of his uh, staff talk to him when he walks. You have oh, to. That's shit. I hate fucking hate Yeah, he, they have to stop and put their back to the wall. Um, when he walks by, they're not allowed to look at him or talk to him. Um, he won't press elevator buttons or anything like that. Um, so we, he has to be with him on that nowadays. Actually. Yeah, but he won't. He apparently, he won't do anything for himself. Like uh, there was his one of his bodyguards that worked for years gave an interview a couple of years ago, and they said, "Like, listen, I looked after his kids, and they were ten times easier to look after than him. Like he is <laughs> torturous, torturous. Like he won't do a solitary <laughs> thing. You know, 
he'll like he'll see you eating something. He'll be sitting with his dinner in front of him, and he'll see you you eating yours, and he goes, "That nice," and he just take it off you. You know that that oh. kind of shit. So, um, yeah, he bought he bought two ranches in Wyoming to convert into a recording studio, and spends most of his time there. Leaves Kim Kardashian and their four children. They have four kids. I think two two were natural births and two were surrogate births. Um, but he leaves Kim with the kids in LA, and he mm. just fucks off to these ranches in Wyoming that he has converted. He makes all the staff in the studio pray every day. Um, they have to have little pr- prayer sessions. He has a pastor. That's on on staff with him now. Uh, no one's allowed to swear. Um, I don't know what his. Uh, I I'd love to know what his um, feelings are towards his old material. I'd be interested. Like, if is he going to do a day mistaken? Um, is he if he does a gig and he does something off Jesus or Watch the Throne? Does he do the full lyrics or does he edit them? Because he's not coursing or written anymore. Well, like there's a there's coursing and there's a song. I think he's not going to do. I think it's called Devil in a Blue Dress or something like that. Mm. So he's obviously not going to do that anymore. I don't think he ever did that live anyway, really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's not coarse anymore. Or maybe mm. it's just he doesn't want other people coursing around him. No, you know what? He's the kind of person that'll come out and only do his last album. Yeah, he, he probably will. Yeah, he probably just tore that and that, that'd be him. Um, he got, he's being sued at the moment actually by this company. He's He's got a bunch of companies going and he's one of these kind of diversify uh, your portfolio type of dudes. And he was... Um, yeah. He throws he, money at stuff he hasn't a clue about. He hasn't a clue about. He's got this mad idea about trying to build cities that don't use electricity or something something weird like that. I don't know what it is. Um, he's got something against solar power. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> straight weird like that. He's got like something that is like absolutely going to be the norm within the next 50 years. He's like, no, I don't like it because it's weakening the sun. Or something, something, I can't remember what, exactly what it is, um, but it's something weird that when you hear it, you go, shut up. Shut up. Um, but yeah, he he's getting sued at the moment because of some some like video software or a, um, like a Zoom type of thing that he was invested in. And he had signed an NDA with this company. Um, he was going to try and integrate their video compression software or something like that into another piece of software he was working on or involved in. And uh, he went off and he just took it and used it without their permission, um, yeah, effectively that's, killing. That's, that's the ego. Yeah, but he effectively killed that startup company. Um, oh, and, and they're because now they're they're kind of proprietary software is out in the wild essentially, and he's being sued by them because he had signed the NDA, you know, like he had done everyone by the book, and then he just forgot or decided it wasn't worth it, and and and, and fucked off. Because I think maybe like ten years ago he was broke, he was millions in the hole, and then he signed that deal to do the 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 Yeezys and stuff like that, and that kind of brought him back up. Mm. Um, no, but, well, he, he kind of fucked himself up by doing a. Like he called it like season one, Jesus. So he, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the fashion world is unforgiving. Oh that, yeah, like the cost of being a fashion designer is really like make or break per season. So exactly, yeah. Well, I think that's he why didn't he have does the knowledge to keep it up. Of course, and not, his, yeah. his stuff looked like dirt. Yeah, it's, it just looks like stuff homeless people wear. That's too big for yeah. him. It's all, all those <laughs> big long t-shirts, big green long t-shirts going out your knees. So I don't understand it. And the easy runners are disgraceful. I think that's why he ended up going. I think the first Yeezys might have been made by Nike, and now they're made by Adidas because they just had that's a better right. deal. He switched over. Yeah, he was yeah. mounting about one of them. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, that's Kanye. He was most certainly difficult to work with. Like he's going to be hard to get along with. Let's let's be very honest. He's a devil. He's a bit of an old devil. Who's your next one? My one is uh, next one's Marky Smith of the Fall, which Jesus, has to be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, famous, 
<laughs> it was fucking hard to work with a person. Uh, he hated everyone. That's yes. just how Marky Smith was. Uh, he was super talented songwriter. I do like yeah. a lot of the fall stuff, to be honest Definitely. with you. And they are really, really influential mm. band to everyone um, that's ever played anything from punk to indie up to probably probably even metal as well. Yeah. Um, some of the things that he does to his band are he'll turn their amps down when they're on stage, even after they've spent hours sound checking. Now, that's actually something I'm all right with because guitarists all think they need to be louder than the rest of the world. Yeah. And they annoy me and fuck them for that. But um, not throwing mic stands at them. Mm. That's no need for that. And throwing yeah, mics that. at them themselves and, and going up and fucking pushing them and nudging them and all for them and stuff. But one of the worst things I ever saw him, they actually walked over to, uh, I think it was on Jules Holland. He walked over to the keyboard player, who was also his girlfriend at the time, mm. and he pushed her aside with a big face on him and started playing the part the way he wanted to play it. Yeah. Like, Ugh, and she just stood there watch it if you can find it it's the most awkward thing where do you yeah. stand well the guy here with is uh coming over and pushing it off and playing it himself here's the best one though this is my favorite mm. reason to fire a member of your band ever <laughs> he is other keyboard player he fired him because he saw him dancing the smoke on the water Oh no! At a nightclub while they were on tour, like yeah. on an off night, Sam dancing, and he Smoke goes, in the water. "Absolutely, you're not. you're fired." He said it to him on the night. No, that's not the kind of thing I want in the band. Mm. And uh, they battered each other outside the club. Mm. Um, are you ready for the member count of the fall? I think it's extraordinary. Outside of Marky e. Smith, yeah. so Sisters of Mercy, there was nineteen. I think you were twenty-two with um, Megadeth. Megadeth. Uh, 66. Mm. That's a shocker. I can't beat that, even with my next one, which is real high. I think 66 might be the highest revolving door due to it's, an arsehole. Definitely, definitely. I've, I've, yeah. My next one has a high fucking body count, but that I can't beat that. Yeah. That is outrageous. Anytime someone comes out and says they're a massive fan of him, just don't do that because he's shit on you. Yeah, yeah. So he did it from your man from LCD Sound System. He even put it into a song. Uh, apparently one time... He was chased down the road by a, not chased down the road, but he's just, this person I'm about to mention wouldn't chase someone down the road, but he, he went back and this person um, wouldn't normally do anything like this. And that's uh, Richard D. James from Aphex. Went, mm. went back and goes, look, I wouldn't normally do this. but uh, A limerick man. Yeah, limerick. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and Marky Smith was actually like, had a good chat with him. So whatever. Like, that's not something I've, I've ever heard. Someone run up to Marky Smith in the street and start talking to him. Like, mm. whatever Aphex Twin said must have resonated because they actually got on per- apparently quite well. Yeah. And uh, he goes, look, here's my phone number and uh, let's do a collaboration. Cool. And uh, Marky Smith wrote, wrote it down on a, a matchbox and then I think he just fucked it out. At the end of the day, he goes, no, I'm not going to What a dickhead. That'd be cool, though. Falling Aphex Twin. I'm not a big Aphex Twin fan, but it would have been deadly. Been, I like Aphex Twin a lot. I actually like... They're too... The Fall and Apex Twin are two bands that I only like bits of because they're yeah. the bits that I liked at the time. Like they yeah. caught me at the right time with, with certain stuff. The, the Fall um, of a song called Mr. Pharmacist and it's fucking outrageously good. I, I listen to it all the time. It's just so well made. It's such the, a great the, song. The cynicism in his... Yeah. He was genuinely that cynical. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, yeah. and his yeah. physical problems wouldn't have helped him either. That would have made him worse. Yeah, the poor fucker was in bits. Like, yeah. he looked like a little schoolboy that never really grew up but yeah. got old anyway. Um, he died a couple of years ago. But the Benjamin Button job he was. Yeah, 
<laughs> the fall when you think of it <laughs> remain the most legendary like one of the most legendary punk bands of all yeah. time yeah uh, influencing anyone and um just don't mention that well you shouldn't have mentioned in the past if you liked him or not because he'll go after you yeah exactly he doesn't like it he does not like it <laughs> i like to fall like gives me a listen if you don't listen to me if you yeah fall out fun they're like um, punk but they're new wave and they're experimental and they're that's everything yeah. at once like they're great it's like you know right let's say you know in silent hill when you go through into the the bad place yeah the bad silent hill like so if you're at a, a talking heads gig and you do that you'll end up at a fall gig yeah yeah the, the, evil, so, yeah. the evil version of <laughs> the, talking heads the, the, the mirror the evil twin yeah, of yeah. Talking heads. <laughs> so if you went to the battery and came out all silent hill I'm so tired right now. I can't remember what the name of the Silent Hill uh, area, the, like the fucking oh, other, the, the upside down, the, the as well. Stranger Things thing. Yeah. Doyen. Um, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But that's him, Marky Smith. I still fucking have a lot of time for the fall. But oh yeah, yeah. Not like he, I don't think he ever did anything specifically disgusting. Me, yeah, it's just anyone. just a, just an arsehole. Like, yeah. Who's your next arsehole? Uh, my last one is my last one is David Coverdale. Uh, oh, from yeah. White Snake and Deep Purple, we were going to do five. Um, me, me other one was uh, was going to be someone else from Deep Purple, and I didn't bother me how doing it. Richie said, Blackmore. Yeah, I said. Yeah. I, I said to you, so let's not, let's not do it. Let's, let's do just, four. Yeah, that's um, exactly. And I don't have a lot on David Coverdale. Story wise, it's almost like the, this. All the stories are with David Coverdale are simply that he was just extraordinarily demanding of every single person that he played with to the point where nobody wanted to play with him anymore. And people just kept leaving. And I think he might have kept, he might have kept like a bassist or something around on half of his stuff. But like, I'm going to break, break, break this down here. Now this is fucking crazy. So we're going to go with White Snake. So, because he was in Deep Purple. He's only in Deep Purple for, I even done a couple of albums with Deep Purple with them. Now Deep Purple had kind of a little bit of a revolving door. They were they were difficult because of Richie Blackmore, um, and they had a couple of swap overs. So Deep Purple had thirteen members all in all. By the time from beginning to end, thirteen members went through the doors of Deep Purple. In White Snake, White Snake ate through forty one members. Forty one members. Um, Mercenaries, just, just getting mercenaries. Yeah, in. and they do an album, or they do half an album, or they do two songs, or they do half tour, and they just have a row with Coverdale, and that'd be the end of it. Gone, out the door. Uh, he done a couple of solo albums. He had through 11 members in his solo albums. Then he done the Coverdale, Jimmy Page thing. So you got David Coverdale, Jimmy Page combination. Yeah. Um, that only lasts for two years. I think they ate through seven or eight members themselves. So if you... If you do the maths roughly on it and don't count, because some of the people that played with him in White Snake played with him on the solos and all this kind of shit. So in his his projects, he has had fifty eight separate musicians that played with him, um, over his projects. Like, and uh, before he was drafted, this is bad. Before he joined uh, Deep Purple, he was like a car salesman or something. He was a salesman and uh, just messed around with kind of pub rock and blues and shit like that. And uh, then all of a sudden he's in Deep Purple and he learned how to be an arsehole of Richie. And 
because uh, Richie was hiring and firing people like mad as well because he wasn't interested. To, they start bringing kind of funk and stuff like that into into Deep Purple. I like Deep Purple, but I only like the like early kind of book of Talisian kind of stuff. That, this song that you picked is just a banger. Ah, uh, yeah, t- I ain't talking about love. Oh, sorry, what am I talking about? Here I go again. <laughs> oh, I gave you away. Here Doesn't I go matter. again. Too tired to give a shit. Here I go again. By White Snake is killer song. Is a killer song. Um, and loads of the White Snake stuff actually really good. Like it's, um, they were lumped into that kind of cock rock thing, and they definitely had a bit of that going on. But there, were, there was more. I think they had more of a kind of Guns and Roses. He did a little bit more of a serious vibe to them than than someone like maybe Motley Crue or something. Um, because just because coming from that deep purple background that was particularly serious music they, they definitely brought a little bit of that mysticism with them you know and yeah. like, like you think about like when i don't think of any crossover between white snake and deep purple for me deep purple are like ancient like black sabbath fucking era of kind of heavy music and yeah. white snake to me are like a late 70s early 80s band so for some and the, there's a definite crossover because it's the same fucking bloke that was in the two of them. But yeah. they're so different from each other. Like, White Snake is that big hair, spandex, but like a little bit dangerous. And Deep Purple were eating mushrooms and praying to druids in yeah, Stonehenge. It is just much more leaning towards Black Sabbath and leaning much yeah. further away from Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, listen, David Coverdale, like I said, all in all, 58 musicians. 58 separate musicians, but if you do the body count, you're looking at, let's do it here, let's do the, the maths. Uh, 41 plus 13, you're looking at 54 plus 11, you're looking at 66 plus, that, you're looking at six, you're probably all in all looking at about 60 to 70, 65 to 70 different musicians that he's torched out. Jesus. That's fucking insanity. Um, now, to be fair to some of these artists we've picked, they've gone through all these people. Some of those could have been dickheads. And uh, 100%. And again, for work, that's over you know? four projects. That's over four different projects. Yeah. That way, it, it doesn't come anywhere near the Falls record because that's split over four different projects. But um, yeah. <laughs> th- there's, there's definitely, if you, if you think about, like, there's no smoke without fire. So David Coverdale is obviously a pound of bollocks to work with. But like, if you uh, even say that 20% of the people that work for, for him in those bands, I played with them in those bands, were a pound of bollocks as well. There's still a massive amount yeah. of people that he was just like, you played that chord twice wrong now on this tour and I'm not having it anymore. I'm going to bring someone else in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, out you go, fucking sticker up your hole. But listen, that's David Coverdale um, uh, from England. For some reason as well, I don't know why, I absolutely thought White Snake were American. Um, no, I did for years until, uh, yeah. until, I said it in some conversation and they were like, not earned. Yeah, 100. I knew Deep Purple. <laughs> I knew Deep Sorry, Purple were English, but I thought like Dave Coverdale was an American. So, yeah, I guess so. Like, I did, uh, like, and then I was reading this there the other day and I was like, no fucking way. All right. Okay. Because again, I like Deep Purple, like really early Deep Purple, Book of Talisian style, fucking Deep Purple. I'm not mad in the lighter stuff. And um, White Snake have a lot of bangers, but I, I'd buy a single. I buy a seven inch of the songs. Like, the th- there is a few absolutely outrageously <laughs> good songs. I'm not even super mad about Here I Go Again on my own, but I do like Is This Love? And yeah. uh, like I'm so I'm so tired. Do the ones, do the good songs. All the, the songs. All, all the songs. All, all the other good songs that people <laughs> tend to like. Um yeah, yeah I don't uh, yeah. Songs by White Snake. Songs. 
Lovely songs. Songs. I'm trying to cheat by opening up Spotify in front of me and it's bringing me to an album. I can't even cheat. <laughs> I, honest <laughs> to God, I can't even cheat. Oh, here we go. Is this love? Here we go. We're getting still of the night. Still. That's the one I could. Yeah. No, that's yeah. still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. That's a that's a, that's. Here that's I go again. Me. Hal, they've got three different versions of it in the top five. <laughs> There's a 2018 oh. remaster, a 2011 remaster, and a radio mix. Oh. Interesting. That's anyway, nice. that's David Cordell. Who was your last one? My last one is uh, God. I shouldn't be picking these people because they only do it. Like Marky e. Smith only did it a couple of years ago. Maybe, maybe just giving them the uh, death touch, man. So uh, I picked Eddie Van Halen, which, mm. like, although I like him and wasn't supposed to be a bad dude was particularly hard to work with yes. apparently like yeah. very hard yeah um so if you were in van halen but you weren't a van halen yeah because him and uh, alex wasn't it yeah the chances are you were gonna have a bad time and now it's wolfgang as well yeah that's right you know uh, his son um you're gonna have a bad time at some stage you're gonna be talked down to a lot you're yeah. gonna get paid a lot less and you'll have to deal with some real, real bullshit. So David Lee Roth gets an awful lot of shit, but Eddie Van Halen never did. From the like the world, they all people knew he was a bit difficult. They went like, after him, like they went after David Lee Roth, and they went after Hagar and stuff like that. But yeah. Eddie Van Halen always came out looking pretty good, and like I think slowly over the years it was revealed that he could be a bit of a fucking arsehole. Himself. Oh yeah, Alex not uh, saying either himself. To be fair, yeah. And um, I remember reading about Alex Van Halen wouldn't let his ex-wife use her surname, like the Van Halen surname, to start any businesses. Like, he couldn't, she couldn't have a business card with her name on it. Really? She had to use her maiden name? Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that one now at all. That's yeah, that's not great. Seemed, that's, I mean, that's her name weird. now, isn't it? If she took the name, that's, that's her, her name. fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. mental. I mean, yeah. Don't know about yeah. that. It's not like, I don't know. It's not like she started running, like, illegal... Drug smuggling operations. Although you wouldn't really name your company, would you? Doing that? No. If you want drugs, secret drugs, drug call limited. Yeah, Eliza Van Halen. Uh, like I said, paying people considerably less than mm. the songwriters. Which, again, I don't know how I feel about. I think it's easier just to get the best person you know for the job and pay them as much as you, pay them enough to make if it, it hurt a little. Yeah. Then that's when you know you're paying mm. them probably the right amount. Yeah. Just. When when you feel the pinch, if you were happy about what you're paying someone, that's deadly. Then you're probably riding them. Probably, yeah. If so, you're paying someone enough, you have to. When when it's wages time, you have to go fuck, fucking hell. Yeah, all right. if, if they're that important, yeah, yeah. yeah. So pushing members out to get less talented members mm. in of your own family on the base. That happened with Michael Anthony, uh, the bassist. He pushed him out to to let Wolfgang on. Who the mm. fans went. There's no Michael Anthony's a lot better. Then of course because of that. Van Halen comes out and shits all over Michael Anthony for years. Yeah. And this is, I'm not going to get into the lawsuits because there's just there's so many with Van Halen. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's Rot, Hagar, anyone fucking who was in Van Halen saying even, I was in Van Halen, sued, dead, yeah. get out of here. Um, I don't, like, I'm not obviously speaking ill of the dead. Like, it's it doesn't ever, there's nothing ever there saying he was a scumbag. Like, yeah, yeah. He wasn't. It's just this is just about difficult to work with, and mm. like you said at the very start, that doesn't mean they're bad. Mm. This is just the way they work. Like, there's so many people that are incredible at their jobs because they're bullish, and now, obviously, I don't mean like abusing people, but getting shit done and shouting at dilly dallyers and stuff, whatever. I don't know 
what what falls down to people getting yeah. a bad name. He doesn't necessarily have a bad name. It's just like, oh yeah, uh, you're not. If you're not a Van Halen, you're not a Van Halen. And exactly. Yeah. Because I remember when when uh, David Lee Roth left, they went like they started a smear campaign. Like a, a yeah. fucking smear campaign where he had to give like uh, press interviews saying like I don't know where all this is coming from like it just wasn't working out I left there you know um they're gonna do that their seems, own thing that I'm seems gonna do to my be own a thing. common thread with, with, with uh, thing as well uh, like Jesus my fucking brain the bass Sammy, player, Michael oh, Michael Anthony yeah, and yeah. Sammy they actually chilled out because they were like. Well, they're in a position where they can't say anything bad about Eddie Van Halen because the yes. Van Halen fans will torn a little bit as well. Exactly. But it seems to be, yeah, like you just said, all one-way traffic. Yeah, 100%. Because I know, like, when they done the thing, when Sammy joined, like, they had four number one albums with him and a ton of hit singles and videos and live albums. Like, they were killing it. But apparently, like, um, Eddie and Sammy start kind of button heads around 1995 when they were um, recording Balance, the album Balance. They just couldn't. They'd worked really, really well before that. And for some reason, when, when it came time to record this album, write for this album, they just were banging heads. They couldn't agree on anything. And it was like, I think Sammy Hagar said, if I said black, he'd say white. It was like yeah. he was just being petty almost, like to the point where they just couldn't. Like Sammy was like, uh, uh, like been in this band now for four number one albums like let's like or a bunch of number one albums come like we're not got equal share here now and like, yeah i'm i'm like it's not like the first tour where i rode in That's exactly where i'm now i'm now in van halen exactly Str- i'm the singer of van halen exactly yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah so now i know um their manager a guy called ed leffer he died and he was replaced by another guy who called uh, ray daniels and sammy and ray didn't like each other at all like they were always they were fighting as well but I think Ray Daniels the new manager might have been a mate of Eddie Van Halen's as well um, like a personal yeah. mate and so there was just grief and apparently after the tour after that, that uh, album Balance after the tour Sammy was like I want to take he was only after having a baby and he was like I want to take a couple of months off just to hang out with my baby is that alright and the lads said no and um, <laughs> Eddie and Alex just went straight into the studio to record because we're like, we need money, we need money. And Sammy Hagar's like, we have a load of number one albums. Like, what are you doing with your fucking money, lads? Like, you should have money. I want to take time off to go hang out with my kid. And um, apparently it just turned into a big close to fuck. And they had a conversation one night. They rang each other. Eddie rang Sammy um, because Sammy had some contractual obligation to his old record label to put out an album. So they decided they were just going to do like the best of Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And... Uh, Apparently he, uh, Van Halen wanted to do that as well. And Sammy didn't want to do it. Sammy was like, let's not, because that's going to be weird because you've had two singers. Like the best, can we not just hang on for a little bit? And maybe we'll be able to do like a volume one, volume two or something like that. And we can record some new songs for the best of as well, just to give him an extra push over the edge. And um, Eddie was like, no, we're going to do the best of like real soon. Uh, with or without you and Sammy said I want to go back to being a, a solo artist I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to yeah. be in the band so he they just walked and apparently when they hung up <laughs> this is what Sammy Hagar gave an interview and he said as soon as they were finished on the phone and Sammy was saying I'm out 
uh, Eddie just gets in his car and drives over to David Lee Roth's house and gives him his job back, offers him his job. Back. <laughs> like there and there. That's that's what that's the kind of thing that Andrew Eldridge does as well. They yeah. want that person to wake up the next day to headlines in their face yeah. and phone calls. Yeah. They want to just not have to say another word to them. They want to hurt them externally exactly. with this stuff. And it's and it's I know people like that, man. Yeah, it's scary. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. They but apparently the, the two and power. Eddie and Sammy just didn't talk to each other for years and years. Now apparently they made up before Eddie died, but uh, they had a, they had a, a fairly uh, extensive feud for a long, long yeah. time. You know, so yeah. I, I believe yeah, Eddie Van Halen is as as on top of being one of the greatest guitarists ever, like. Bit of a pound of bollocks, like, and I picked and talk about love because the intro still gives me yeah, chills. Yeah, outrageous, it's outrageous. So Invented so many things, invented so many ways of playing and styles yeah. that are still fucking used today. So, are we done? I think we're done, are we? I think so. We are done, folks. We're gonna go to bed. It's not even that late, but we're gonna go to bed like elements. Exhausted. Right, Exhausted. I have to do a little bit of editing on this and then upload it, and then I'm probably going to eat a bowl of cocoa pops and watch telly for an hour and then I go to bed um, if you like what we do support us you go to patreon.com forward slash lost art podcast that's a subscription based uh, model where you pay five euros a month and it gets you access to loads of exclusive videos and podcasts and all sorts of stuff if subscription based model is not your bag you just go to kofi.com forward slash lost art podcast and give us a little tip this is our job this is what we do we spend an awful lot of time not really this week, um, on the podcasts, but you got one. <laughs> you got one. We're recording this like six hours before it. it goes out. We're contractually obligated yeah, exactly. to do it, so we did it. Yeah, we've, we've, never, we've, we've yet to miss uh, a week. Even at the start of the lockdown, we just used some uh, some kind of unreleased podcasts to, to yeah. fill in the gap. So um, we get it done every week, each and every week for us. Uh, if you have no money, like us, just share it. Share it on your social media. Um, helps an awful lot. Because uh, every time we share something, about six people see it because Facebook and uh, Twitter and all that malarkey, they want us to pay for advertising. And we have no problem paying for advertising, but it doesn't work. Uh, Not on our budget. We throw 50 quid into a post and maybe an extra five people see it. Facebook, uh, they want hundreds of euro, if not thousands, for promoted posts now. And it's not a thing. So the only chance we have is people who are listening at home, share it out after you listen to it. Um, tell your mates tell yous our mates big love not that bad big love big love that's us Uh, see us later Uh, see us next week and see us in two weeks for another live show but next Monday we're back with a fresh podcast take it easy night